Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in on this Thursday. Coming up today, we look at game one for the Calgary Flames on a busy night in the NHL. The baseball playoffs are basically done with the division series. It's NFL Power Rankings Day, and we will continue our NBA look with a look back at who are the best players in the history of the NBA. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email this show, Couch Potato Diary, at Yahoo. Com. Uh, also, this show is available on Facebook. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see my cat in the background, so give it a like. Uh, you can also subscribe to the channel and leave a comment if there's anything you really agree with or really disagree with. Um, and you can also subscribe to the podcast or write review wherever you can on that. So, should be a busy one. Let's get right to it, talking about the Calgary Flames. All right, the Calgary Flames come away with a win on night one of the NHL regular season, for them anyway, a 5-3 victory over the Winnipeg Jets. And there's a lot to get into from this game, but I think the biggest story from this game, from a Flames perspective, is the play of their goaltender, Jacob Markstrom. Um, he was excellent. And yes, there was a rough one in there, but he was spectacular to that point and then bounced back tremendously after it. I thought, like, there, there is no other way of putting it. They do not win this hockey game if not for the play of Jacob Markstrom. He was exceptional all game long, with, again, an exception, I guess. Um... It was, it was such a great performance from him, and he really kept the Flames in the game, especially early on. Winnipeg had a number of very good chances that um, a couple of years, or last year, I guess, the, the dam would have broke, they would have given up like four in the first period, and we would have been off watching Vancouver against Edmonton, or something like that. Like, it, it was just, it would have been over, but he was back to his regular self once again. And then the, the bad goal happens... But he, I think he more than made up for it. He was great after that. He did not let it get to him, which, like, quite frankly, it could have, right? Like, the, the way last season went, there is, um, I think, a very real possibility, and one could very reasonably understand how it could get to him, where it would just start to, to spiral on him, right? But he was able to, to bounce back from it and grind through and come away with, with a victory. That was... It just looked nothing like the goalie from a season ago, right? Like, he looked so calm between the pipes. He looked so capable. Like, there was there was no stretch in that game where it looked like he was fighting it, where last season, it, the entire year, was spent basically with him looking like he was fighting it. This looked like the guy from a couple of years ago, and that is such a huge boost to this Flames team. If that's going to be the case, then their chances of making the postseason increase dramatically. Unfortunately... Um, they did kind of need it, you know, like that, that I, I said that on social media. The great thing is Markstrom is playing out of his mind. The bad news is the Flames need him to. They were under siege for a lot of this game, that there was so much pressure on, on them because of what Winnipeg was doing and because of what they weren't doing. Um, night one away from Daryl Sutter offensively, I think, made this team a little bit more fun. Defensively, it did look like this team was chasing basically the entire night in the defensive zone, and that's not a good spot to be. And, like, this is a Winnipeg team that has fine offensive weapons, but I, I don't... I don't know if I would characterize them as the most dynamic offensive team in the National Hockey League, so that's just something to keep an eye on going forward. But, like, they... They were in some trouble at a lot of points in that game, and Markstrom was there to bail them out. But th this was certainly not a perfect performance from a Flames standpoint. Defensively, 
they had issues. Um, offensively, not enough shots, but they did create some good opportunities off of the shots that they had. So that this was this was a strong, strong game, I thought, from a Flames perspective and one that they can kind of build on now going forward. Just a, a few things to, to work on. But one thing I really did like for Calgary, this was a game where the top players, I thought, stepped up in a way that they didn't last year. I was saying, all season last year, this team was begging for someone to step up and be like, hey guys, we got this one. And admittedly, it took a little bit, but with under two minutes to go in the third period against the Tyre Winnipeg lineup, um, Huberto, Lindholm, and Manjapani, I think specifically Manjapani, there to kind of da -da -da -da, save the day for the Calgary Flames. Um, Manjapani with that sweet no-look pass to Lindholm, who is smart to go right to the net. Uh, Huberto, it might be a missed shot, but I think it was kind of just a get pucks in deep. Like, we know we have these guys. We can outwork them along the wall. And it didn't take much. Just a quick bing-bang. And it was into the net. That is not a play that the Flames would have a year ago. Um, I think it was smart from Huska to put the, the, the right players out there at the right time to take advantage of the, the matchup situation that the Flames had. Now, that, that's not groundbreaking coaching or anything like that. And honestly, it might have been something Daryl would have done last year. But for, for night one for the coach to, to do that, I thought was, was really quite smart. And it, it just, it was the top players stepping up in a way that they just didn't a season ago and that it, it just it gives you confidence going forward again there are certainly some things that need to be ironed out from a, a flames standpoint defensively they were chasing a little bit offensively i didn't love their game five on five um i, I thought it was a whole lot of winnipeg with that puck but the, the flames were able to step up and take advantage of situations when presented to them so not a flawless victory by any sense of the imagination uh stretch of the imagination i'm not getting parade floats fitted to make sure that they fit down 17th avenue but for one game, it's a whole lot better, <clears throat> excuse me, a whole lot better than it was last year. On the Winnipeg side of things, man, Kyle Connor looked like their best player, and honestly, kind of looked like the best player on the ice last night. That shot is a weapon, and pretty good skater as well to, to do that with that, that top line, um, with Shifley along with him. They, they were very dangerous all evening long, and were the, 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 the the main driver of any headache that uh, Jacob Markstrom or the Calgary Flames would have. And I, I think that that is something that Winnipeg can, can really build on because Connor in night one looked like a man on a mission. And, and I thought the a kind of grinder line almost with Lowry Appleton and Ayafalo produced some pretty strong results for them as well. Um, second line, other than that, it was pretty quiet. For, for Winnipeg offensively. Now, they put up like a billion shots, but th this was still a team that I, again, controlled a lot, but didn't have a, a whole lot of dynamicism in their game. But, I mean, to, to be fair, I don't even know if that's a word or if I use it correctly, but to be fair, like, they controlled a lot of this game and uh, against a goalie who wasn't playing out of his mind, probably would have won that one fairly easily. So, like, th th this isn't one where Winnipeg has to come away with, oh, man, we have to change everything. It's just adjust and and move on like I, I think they played pretty well Hellebuck had a bit of a questionable night um that that was something that was a bit surprising to me and something that they just they, they are not good enough to overcome bad goaltending on a night and night on basis they kind of have to win that battle every night if they're going to to succeed and last night they just didn't so that is the story at least from night one for the Calgary Flames but it was still a busy night in the NHL let's get to the rest of it
game that I had my focus on was the Ottawa Senators taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I, I watched that one start to finish before the, the Flames game. Um, Carolina is just as good as, as I thought they were. And look, Ottawa played really well. I, I want to get that out of the way here first and foremost. Uh, the, the Ottawa Senators, shorthanded, I think played a really, really good hockey game. They're just not good enough yet to, to be on the level with Carolina and making some of the mistakes they were making. There were some dumb penalties at bad times. There was a real bad Shabbat uh, turnover that led directly to uh, a Carolina goal that's just a backbreaker for for the Hurricanes. But credit Ottawa, they were able to, to battle back a couple of times and get back into this game. But the longer this game went, the more it clearly favored the the Hurricanes. They, they were just, they, they were simply a better hockey team. I don't know if there was a whole lot that Ottawa did poorly. It was just Carolina was right there taking it to them for a, a lot of this one. So like, Ajo was great. Um, just, just so many players. Like Tara Vinen had a really good game at both ends of the ice. That Carolina team is as good as I thought. And for, for night one, for the team that I picked to win the Stanley Cup, I feel very comfortable uh, about that pick. I, I thought Freddie Anderson was sharp. I thought defensively that they had a pretty good game. I thought offensively they had a good game as well. On the Sens side, like I said, just a, a few dumb penalties at bad times. Brady Kachuk specifically had a bad one. Uh, like I said, Shabbat had a bad clearing. It was just that the best players didn't step up in ways that they needed to. Stutzla did, but then he took a couple penalties and gave the puck away. Like, it was it was one of those nights where they're close, but they're not there yet for Ottawa. If they play like that, they're going to beat a lot of teams in this league, just not the best ones. Montreal and Toronto with a, an absolutely bat-crap crazy game that ends up going the way of the Leafs in the shootout. Uh, the shootout felt like it was robbing people of joy by that point. I don't know if there's a whole lot actionable from this one. The Leafs have a great goal song, so that's great. But Montreal against Toronto is always just a weird one to, to start the season, and it always gets things going a little bit crazy. So I don't know if it's, okay, well, Toronto is just never going to defend. You have some concerns about goaltending and, and how that one went, but th this is still going to be a, a good Leafs team and a, a scrappy, scrappy Montreal bunch that just isn't going to go away all season long. Uh, Colorado establishing they're better than the Kings. We, we kind of saw that one coming. The big one of the night, Vancouver, just absolutely dismantles Edmonton. 8-1, to one, uh, I believe the final score ends up being. And this was something we said about Vancouver this year. Like, not that they're going to score eight goals a night, but this is a team that because they have been so poorly managed for so long, it, we just kind of assume, okay, they're going to be bad. They're not. That There is so much talent on this team. Besser, if, if he can finally reach the levels that everyone thought he could, then th this is going to be a scary team. Pedersen is great. Um, Thatcher Demko was sick and still performed to the, the peak of his capabilities. On the Edmonton side, you probably just want to chalk this one up as a, a bad opening night, but oh boy, that's a, that is a rough way to, to start things, getting absolutely boat raced by the, the Vancouver Canucks on night one. But overall, happy to have hockey back, and uh, it's going to be a long but very fun season. You could say that as well for Major League Baseball as the season winds down with the uh, the postseason now almost through the division series. Let's get into it. Taking a look at the Major League Baseball postseason. Um, first of all, the Houston Astros are just so good. And it does kind of fly in the face where everyone's like, oh yeah, the playoffs are a crapshoot. Well, not when you're just better than everyone, right? And like that's, and that is one of the things that has been so frustrating, excuse me, frustrating about a lot of the analytics debate, debate is because, and I hate that I'm coming across as anti-analytics. That's not my intention. I, I, I think that their stats are incredibly useful, but 
to, to justify their existence in a lot of front offices, they have to work in the postseason as well. And then to justify why they don't, it's, oh yeah, it's a crapshoot. It's, it's random. That There are different players that work in the post, and I'm not talking about clutch or anything like that, but that there are different approaches that work in the postseason. There's different ways to, to win in the playoffs. And the Houston Astros have managed to just be better than everyone for seven straight years going to the American League Championship Series. That's not just the dice has rolled six for them seven times in a row. They have accumulated an immense amount of talent. They have had a lot of talent walk out that door and have supplemented it greatly. The, the Houston Astros, while their methods at times were not model, uh, are now, in terms of roster construction are the model franchise in in baseball uh for the twins great showing uh, go get them next year moving into the national league um the dodgers getting swept by the diamondbacks last night i can't be the only one who saw that and thought well shohei's staying in la but he's going to the dodgers right like if it kind of felt like it was going to be that way anyway uh we know the mets are going to throw a ton of money at him but there is no way after getting bounced in the National League Division Series, that the LA Dodgers are going to let Shohei Otani pass them by. I just, I don't see it. And look, it doesn't solve the biggest issue that the Dodgers had, which is pitching. Maybe they they have a reunion with Hyunjin Ryu um, as he becomes a, a free agent now. But I, like, I saw that last night and I was like, man, Shohei's price tag just went up like $50 million because the Dodgers are going to be desperate after uh, how this season ended. But credit to the Diamondbacks. Um, I, I like the, the energy that Varsho brought to the Blue Jays, but giving up one of the top prospects in baseball and someone who has the capabilities of Lourdes Goriel Jr. was just a wild, wild overpay for it. And now those guys are off to the National League Championship Series. Will they face the Braves or the Phillies? Uh, that could be decided tonight after Philadelphia absolutely bludgeoned the Braves in Game 3. Bryce Harper with a couple of big home runs, um, staring down Orlando Arcia after the game. It's just fun to have those rivalries. But Bryce Harper is turning into like one of the great playoff performers. And I saw someone saying, it's just tough to watch this because this is the reality that Mike Trout was supposed to be living. Boy, that one, that struck home with me. I was like, you know what? You kind of have a point there. Like that's, I, I see where you are coming from on that because yeah, th this is this is the superstar stage and the superstar treatment that Mike Trout was supposed to be having. But this is also what Bryce Harper was destined for for a very long time. Um, and he has now reached that level. So it, it's really, really great to see what this has kind of turned into for Bryce Harper. Um, we'll see if they can finish off Atlanta tonight. But uh, I think a lot of people are using this because a lot of the top teams in the league are being ousted. A lot of people are using this as an indictment on the current setup where those teams have time to just kind of rest and the the, the wildcard teams are playing their asses off um, and, and making their way into the, the postseason here. I just don't think that's the, the case. Here. Like, it's literally happening. But I don't think it's because of the system. I think this was a year where... There wasn't that standout dominant, okay, th these guys are it. Like, the Braves kind of looked like it, but I, I don't know how many of these teams... Like, it, it didn't feel like there was that much of a gap between the the Braves and the Phillies this year, or the, the Diamondbacks or the Dodgers. Like, there didn't feel like there was that one team head and shoulders above the rest. And sometimes, shit just happens. This kind of feels like a shit just happens sort of a season. So it has been a lot of fun, baseball's postseason, and we could be down to the Final Four after tonight. That is the story for Major League Baseball. Let's get into some NFL Power Rankings. All right, time for NFL Power Rankings here for the week. Um, once again, 
Bad teams on the bottom, good teams on the top. That's how power rankings work. Let's get into it. Um, first, uh, number 32, the Denver Broncos. Uh, that was one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my entire life, them against the Jets. And when you lose that, uh, you go to the bottom of the rankings. It has just been a disaster. Talked about it uh, a little bit today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet Today, on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sean Payton, um, this is reputation killing for them. They basically just need to start over out there in Denver. At 31, it is Carolina. It, it just... It looks so bad right now. Um, Bryce Young doesn't have the urgency that I think you need at the quarterback position yet. Now, that, that's something that can be learned when you get the crap beat out of you. But he is getting to the top of his drop, setting, okay, now what are we doing? Like, th there's no, like, off the back foot and it's out. It's back, back, back. <sighs> All right, what are we going? Oh, and now I hit. Like, it, it just... It feels way too comfortable to be looking so uncomfortable. The throws are off. The the pocket presence is none. Um, and the defense is starting to just get absolutely railroaded. This is a, a really, really bad football team. At 30, it's Arizona. It does feel like some of the luster is coming off. And boy, do they try hard. Just isn't really working for them at this point. At 29, it is uh, Chicago. Hey, they got a win. Maybe they're going to start to move up a little bit. We will see how that all ends up playing out. 28, it is the New York Giants. Um, the the G-Men, just uh, another really bad showing for them. Um, the, the defense looks kind of cooked. Uh, offensively, they couldn't get anything going. The, the, the Dolphins were trying to hand them that game at times, and it just wasn't working. 27, it's New England. Back-to-back -back blowout losses. Mac Jones is starting. I said it before, almost any other coach in the league is getting fired. After this, at 26, it's Minnesota. Their season feels done. It feels like uh, the end of the Kirk Cousins era should be coming soon. We'll see um, if they move him. They probably should and just kind of start over in Minnesota. 25, it's the Vegas Raiders. That was a win on Monday night, but it didn't feel great. 24, it's the New York Jets. At, at least they got a win, but th this offense is not not the answer for them. At 23, it's Washington. I still have trouble putting my finger on what this team is after a tough loss on Thursday night. 22, it is the Indianapolis Colts. At 21, it's Houston. Um, boy, it would have been better if they would have won that game, obviously. I still think there are flaws with this team. And when they go up against like actual real NFL competition, they're going to have some, some major issues. But it's been a fun ride and at least a better start than what's going on with um, with Bryce Young out in Carolina. At 20, it's the Packers. That th These last couple of weeks have been a real coming back down to earth moment for, for Green Bay. Um, I was high on this team coming into the season, but... While the receivers may have taken a step, Jordan Love doesn't appear like it's it. Now we'll see what they're able to do with Aaron Jones back after this team comes off of a bye. At 19, Atlanta, Desmond Ritter with his best game as a Falcon. At 18, it's the LA Rams. They hung with the Eagles for a bit, but Philadelphia does eventually pull away. But I, I thought there was a lot of positives to take out of that game for... Um, for the Rams. At 17, New Orleans. 16, Pittsburgh with a big win over Baltimore. Wasn't overly impressed, though, so that's why they don't come up uh, even more. Cincinnati has the most room for upward mobility. I guess technically that's Carolina. They can move up the most, but realistically, if that Bengals offense that we saw in the second half specifically against Arizona is what we're going to continue to get, then Cincinnati's going to move up and they're going to be one of the contenders again in the AFC, but it's going to take some time for us to trust that. At 14, it's Tennessee, 13, Seattle, uh, 12, Cleveland, 11, Baltimore. I didn't want to drop them that much, uh, although they dropped it a lot. Um, this was just a, a Baltimore team that I 
I, I just think it was a comedy of errors that cost them in their matchup against Pittsburgh. I, I think that they'll they'll be back. So I, I didn't want to bump them down too much because I thought they soundly outplayed Baltimore or Pittsburgh. They, they just mis-executed at bad times. At 10, it's the Chargers. 9, Tampa Bay. Um, 8, I put Detroit. I'm still not getting Detroit to that, oh, they're one step below the championship tier. I'm just not there yet. I want to see... I want to see it a little bit more than against Kansas City with um, their best receiving option out uh, against Green Bay on a short week and against Carolina. Like, I, I just, I'm I'm being picky and I know I'm being stubborn, but I, I just want to see it a little bit more from them. At 7, Jacksonville, that was a massive win to get their season back on track uh, against Buffalo. 6, it's Dallas. Uh, it was a humbling loss, but I couldn't bump them any further down the list than 6. Um, it just feels like this is kind of where that tier cuts off, but that tier could absolutely not include them anymore. Um, at 5, Buffalo. I, I don't think they handled the England approach well, so we, we will see how they handle it now coming back stateside. Um, I, I'm willing to accept that that was just kind of a, a blip on the radar for them. At four, it's Miami, um, a big performance after a, a game where they lost to a, a, an upper echelon team, so you don't get to move up that much, but they move up a little bit. At three, it's Kansas City. I have a touch of concern about the, the offense. Um, it sounds like Kelsey's going to be good to go for, for Thursday night, but they need some of these receivers to step up or find receivers who can. Um, at two, it is Philadelphia, a strong performance against uh, the, the LA Rams. But at number one, a dominant showing on Sunday Night Football, the San Francisco 49ers. Those are your NFL Power Rankings after week five. Getting into our NBA preview today, we are looking at the best players in the history of the National Basketball Association. Uh, a, a conversation that's uh, not hotly debated at all. Uh, very, very little said uh, about the, this whole debate. But um, I just think it's nice, you know, start of every season, just like, okay, where where are we in, in this discussion? So let's get into it. At 10, I have Oscar Robertson. It just, I, I haven't watched him play a ton. It just feels like anytime someone is breaking a record, they're breaking Oscar Robertson's record. So I have to put him on the, this list at 10. At nine, it's Tim Duncan. He was just a lock for 50 wins every year. Um, the, the gold standard for uh, a power forward in this game um, on both ends of the court. Uh, one of the best leaders in the history of the sport, one of the best just winners in the history of the sport. Second, maybe, to this next guy. At eight, it is Bill Russell. Um, I feel like we have kind of forgotten how good this guy was. Like, oh, well, got to get to Jordan's six championships. It's like, okay, well, talk to me when you get to Russell's 12. Um, it, it was at a, a different time, but he was so much better than everyone else in his time. You, you just got to give it to him. At seven, Kobe, maybe it is um, given, you know, the end. Um, maybe it is being just a, a little bit soft on him, but th there is a, a whole lot that you remember basketball wise about his dominance and about uh, how undeniable he was. There's a picture of him over my shoulder. Uh, the, I have the natural light going on in here today, so you can't necessarily see it, but, um, yeah, when, when he was on, you just, you could not stop him. And you can say that for a, a lot of guys, right? Like when Jimmy Butler's on, but th there was just something inevitable about Kobe, especially in playoff moments and big games and and all of those things. At six, it's Shaquille O'Neal, the most dominant player I have ever seen on a basketball floor. Um, and like the, the Kobe conversations about like if he had taken it as seriously as I did and blah, 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 blah. He was still just undeniable. Offensively, defensively, there, there was just nothing you could do with that man. At five, I have uh, Kareem. 
was the all-time leading scorer up until last season, and yeah, just, uh, again, uh, an absolute dynamo. Um, at four, I put Magic, the Showtime playmaking ability, position uh, ability to play multiple different uh, positions, at least offensively. Um, I think defensively, uh, it's been kind of built up over the years, is maybe something that it wasn't, but still, like, just... One of the the true greats. At three, it's Larry Bird. Um, what he could have done with the the more expanded shooting roles that we have in the game today, but um, what what he was to the, the Boston Celtics dynasty, just you know, unbelievable. And now we get to the debate, and this is where I, I saw a TikTok on this a little bit, and it has absolutely changed my perception. Someone said, if I might have even brought this up on the show. If LeBron's career came before MJ, there wouldn't even be a discussion. And, oh my god, that might be right. You know? Because, like, you think about it. LeBron is the all-time scoring leader. He is, uh, what is it, nine NBA Finals uh, appearances. Um, just all of these different things that, like, if you f if if it was first... Like, just think about it if, it if it had been reversed. I, I should have... I, I'm saying this very poorly, but think if it had been reversed. Like like I said, nine finals appearances, um, all-time scoring leader. You have Michael Jordan, like, fiercest competitor of all time, but you would have... If he if his career played out the exact same way just after LeBron's, would be like, oh, yeah, like, it's... 6-0 is really impressive. Only six, though, huh? Like, there's a lot of a lot of quick exits early on before you, you got to those six and you had to take a couple of years off. And like, it, it just, it feels like they're, they're the excuse making, it would be so undeniable what LeBron has done. But because we, we hold MJ in this regard and we put so much into the undefeated in the NBA Finals that LeBron just getting to the Finals more is somehow held against him. So I have officially on this show put MJ at two and LeBron at one. That is uh, my look at the best players in the history of the NBA. And that is my show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember, if you're listening in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. If you are watching in video form, like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment. That stuff really does help. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. And you can email this show, CouchPotatoDiary, at yahoo.com. Uh, coming up on the program tomorrow, we are getting into uh, Fights and Football Friday. Some massive news from uh, the UFC this week with uh, USADA stepping out, as well as major adjustments to a card happening in a couple of weeks. We will get into all of that. We will break down every game coming up in the NFL this week um, and a whole lot more. So thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all later.